Hello and welcome to Folklore in the Field, a new irregular strand of the Folklore podcast where we'll be featuring reports, interviews and other material recorded on location at folklore events. I know we've done this before, but I felt it was time that it had its own branding. I recently had the opportunity to travel to the city of Sheffield in the north of the United Kingdom, and more specifically to Sheffield Hallam University, where the Centre for Contemporary Legend were acting as hosts for the 40th anniversary conference of the International Society for Contemporary Legend Research. The conference ran for five days, and I was able to be there for the first three, which featured the majority of the panel presentations of papers from legend scholars from around the world. I've recorded all of these for my own archives, and where I can get permission from presenters, I may be able to bring some of these to you in the future, either here on the podcast or on our Patreon pages, where you can support us and get extra content. www.patreon.com slash thefolklorepodcast is the address for that, and you'll find a big back catalogue of material already there. I was able to catch up with folklorists and academics who I'd met before at previous conferences, as well as past guest of this podcast, Ben Radford, who I'd never had the chance to meet in person. It was also my great pleasure to spend much of my time in Sheffield with Perry Carpenter, co-creator and host of the Digital Folklore podcast. If you haven't listened to Digital Folklore, add it to your podcast lists and catch up with season one. Perry and his co-host Mason Amadeus have interviewed some of the leading folklorists in their fields, as we do here, and their show, whilst very different to this one in its presentation, is equally full of expert guests. Perry and I took the opportunity to grab a few attendees at the conference over lunch breaks, and to record some short, informal chats about them and their work, which we'll be featuring both here on the Folklore Podcast and over on Digital Folklore's feed. In this first episode, we feature Dr Diane Rogers. Diane is a senior lecturer in media at Sheffield Hallam, specialising in alternative media and storytelling in film and television, with a particular focus on horror, cult film and television and music. In her PhD, Diane looked at folk horror and hauntology in weird 1970s British film and TV, and her research interests now relate to the communication of folklore and contemporary legend in the media. As a co-organiser of the conference, and in particular a co-founder of the Centre for Contemporary Legend Research Group at Sheffield Hallam, Perry and I were keen to learn more about what these roles entail. I hope you enjoy the interview. I'll be back very soon with the next regular episode of the Folklore Podcast. So here we are at the International Society for Contemporary Legend Research 40th Anniversary Conference. It's a lunch break. Everybody's gone out for burritos, apart from our guest, Diane Rogers, who's brought a packed lunch because she is an organiser and therefore is not allowed to leave the building on pain of death. So Perry Carpenter from the Digital Folklore Podcast and myself have collared Diane because we want to shine a light on the Centre for Contemporary Legend. Diane, tell us a little bit about yourself and the Centre for Contemporary Legend. Um, Okay, well, I am uh, a senior lecturer in 
Sheffield Hallam University in what is currently the Department of Media, Arts and Communications. Um, I've been teaching here for ooh, 12, 13 years. I've been doing a PhD in folklore on screen which uh, over about six years, which I finally finished about six months ago. Um, and I'm super nerdy about horror, folk horror, alternative underground comics and music and horror movies, all that good B-movie stuff. Um, and yeah, I got involved with the Centre for Contemporary Legend. Basically, the reason I did my PhD was I was chatting to my colleague David Clark in the corridor one day about, isn't it interesting that lots of 70s TV is spooky and weird and has witchcraft <laughs> and stone circles and folklore? And he said to me, there's a PhD in that. Uh, and so he became my director of studies and then uh, a little time on from that we were chatting in the pub and Dave casually mentioned that he was also a contemporary legend scholar and he said oh I've always kind of had this idea of doing a research group or a centre for contemporary legend and I said let's just do it we'll just call ourselves that and it exists if you build it they will come kind <laughs> <Yeah>. of thing. <laughs> Um, and fortuitously, about another week or so after that, we were having a, a work dinner and our colleague Andrew Robinson, who's in photography, also said, oh, by the way, I'm interested in calendar customs and photography. And thus, the Centre for Contemporary Legend was, was born. <laughs> so is it a centre in terms of having physical resources, for example? Is it a centre in terms of being a virtual centre? How can people interact with it? If only we had physical resources. <laughs> we happen to work at the same institution in some of the same buildings, um, so it's more a meeting of minds. Um, uh, we do have a website, Centre for, uh, I think it's contemporarylegend.co.uk, um, but we do do events like this. Um, we do meet and uh, talk about research, and inter you know we're all members of the Folklore Society and the International Society for Contemporary Legend Research, which if I say that again, I'm just going to say ISCLA because it's a lot quicker. Um, so yeah, we don't have physical premises as such, but we do, um, we have recently accepted a donation of the John Widowson Folklore Archive, uh, which is, a, who is a, for anyone who isn't familiar with his work, he's a very eminent folklore scholar. He's an emeritus professor who, was part of the NAT set. I can't remember what all that stands for, um, but that was the original study of folklore at the University of Sheffield, so the other university. He's donated his archive to us, and we do have physical premises for that. There is a room that that is devoted to. So yes and no is the short answer. And in terms of a donation, that was a significant donation. It has to be said, it came in on the back of a lorry didn't it wow. and, it and literally was, did, yeah. was a lot of material so it is a valuable collection yes I went to his house to help kind of the initial kind of sift and it is like going into a, a rabbit warren of amazing undergrowth it's almost like going into this kind of hobbit hole of rooms filled floor to ceiling with books and there's another room around the corner and that's also filled floor to ceiling with yeah. books and there was so much stuff so we've taken a portion of that, but it's still a massive amount and getting all that into, we physically got those all into bags and onto a lorry ourselves. And yeah, really pr proud to have that collection here. If, if you could for a second, can you talk a little bit about, uh, cause I know when people think about 
folklore, they know that it's a sophisticated type of uh, academic study. But when you think about urban legends or contemporary legends, people tend to think of that as a little bit more rogue and fringy. And some of the topics are um, kind of hard for people to think about um, because you are talking about horror, you're talking about um, body horror, you're talking about really anything that, that people um, really in the back rooms talk about. Um, can you talk about the value of studying that academically and, and what draws scholars to it? Yeah, well, I guess that people think of folklore as this kind of old, dusty, ancient, yeah. traditional rites uh, from many, many you know, eons ago um, and of Morris dancing and stuff. But mm. yeah, urban legends people it almost immediately understand that as much more modern. Right. Um, the Hookman or... Oh, I'm struggling to think of lots of examples off the top of my head because I've had little sleep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think the, the urban legend, well, whether it's ufology or, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff, um, conspiracy theories, that kind of thing, um, I can't see how it isn't some of the most relevant research that we need to do in contemporary society because of the way that there is so much information, disinformation, misinformation communicated through the media, through social media. And it's all based on, well, a lot of it is based on stories that yeah. are passed on, which is folklore and contemporary legend, urban legend, whether it's about COVID vaccines or we just had a really interesting paper on um, contraception, how st what people think about that. It applies to how they, it affects how they behave in their everyday life and can have real world uh, effects or risks, whether that's who gets uh, elected to be president or prime minister, unfortunately, or, <laughs> or you know, real world health, health issues, health risks, it affects how they look after themselves. So understanding how those stories are communicated, whether it's um, person to person or through the media, um, the more we understand that, the more we can kind of educate ourselves and each other about how we behave to each other, how we communicate as a society. Yeah, so then that's also a thread through this conference specifically. You do touch on disinformation, misinformation and, and all that. Can you talk about the the thread that you're hoping to hear uh, with that? You know, what, what was the purpose of centering on truth? Well, the truth is out there because it's <laughs> right. the 30th anniversary of the X-Files, mm. uh, which is it instantly comes to mind. Um, and I think a lot of stuff like that is shows how relevant, you know, especially with all the conspiracy theory stuff about ideas about um, whether it's about COVID or whether it's about environmental problems or climate issues. There's so much polarizing argument on both sides of those arguments. Yeah. Um, all of that stuff is more relevant now. Um, and I think that, like you said, it's an interesting thread running through the conference about how do we communicate the importance of understanding this to people outside of this discipline and show how important this discipline is to understanding what is truth anyway. Yeah. We all have our own truths. We all have our own stuff. Everything is a story. Um, I, was th I often think about this recently, actually. We, from the moment we wake up, I mean, everybody's different, but you maybe turn on the news or listen to a podcast on the way to work and then um, maybe watch a movie or you're writing a, a chapter of a book or 
what everything is a story it's all what happens next yeah. what happens next and understanding how those stories are fundamentally woven into our everyday lives um and yeah what is what is there is no truth yeah, in inverted well. commas um and and kind of debunking that or how to what extent you not necessarily debunk things but have to do that in a, in a way that's respectful to people's beliefs as well is really important in this kind of world where we understand colonialization more all that kind of stuff so understanding everybody's truth is different but also some truths can be more dangerous than others yeah i've heard that as a thread through this too as people have been talking about medical issues or climate issues or treatment of indigenous populations and all all of that is at what point and how do you wrestle with the ethics that traditional folklorists had about not being non-interventionalist and and really just saying well your truth is you we're not really interested in whether something is true we're just interested in why these stories emerge um exactly. are we at an that, ethical that, crossroads well, somewhere I, I think that is the prime directive for folklorists right, yeah i mean i'm a, yeah that, i like to think of it like that because i'm a star trek i nerd, do too so i like yeah. having my prime directive is i i don't um i'm not looking down upon your beliefs as the antiquarians might have done yeah. that we're not collecting as such we are um i believe your belief or your truth or your experience i believe that is true for you and mm -hmm. i'm not interested whether there are literally ufos or aliens or not i'm interested how and why you believe that and it's not about being judgmental at all it's trying to understand how those beliefs come about but also how they might shape behaviors as well and that's a point that's come up time and time again isn't it in, in terms of folklore it is important in in this day to to realize that things have moved on and and we're not recording those quaint traditions anymore that those people in the villages used to do because they didn't have any education we're talking about stuff that everybody interacts with every day. This is why there's this resonance for people with folklore as a subject, I think, is because it underpins everything that you do, whether you realize it or not when you're thinking about it. But I think it's become apparent during this conference that there's a real focusing of interest on the darker aspects of folklore recently. Mm -hmm. Folk horror, folk horror revival, all of these things we've seen. You spoke about in your paper today, 1970s children's TV in the UK. Is that why everybody has got this interest now in this revival? Is it because back in the 70s, for those of us of a particular age, we were brought up with this kind of strange entertainment, yeah. which was somehow not meant for us as children really it was meant for the parents but it was normalized yeah, yeah. it's normalized yeah. as children's entertainment yeah i, I mean, mean that that's the kind of central uh, one of the central arguments to my phd thesis was no wonder we grew up weird yeah. <laughs> and and the fact that the people who grew up in the 70s and 80s who are of a generation x grew up with that stuff and now are have come of age to be the ones making media and telling the stories and how can all of that weird stuff, I mean, you know, all, all the kind of words or gummage or yeah. the changes or Children of the Stones or Threads, which is particularly harrowing TV movie from 1984 mm. about nuclear disaster, which is filmed in Sheffield. And I saw my favorite toy shop 
uh, from my childhood get blown up on screen oh, as no. new kids. So, you know, uh, and so that's a big uh, uh, kind of benchmark for people in Sheffield Threads. It's, it's very frightening. Um, so, yeah, being surrounded by all that stuff and all the Usborne books of ghosts and UFOs. Um, yeah, no wonder it's kind of come of age again and coming about. Mm. But I think there's also a lot of societal and political parallels between what was going on in the 70s, kind of almost revolutionary interest in new age uh, spiritualism and uh, the climate issues and, you know, the uh, second wave of feminism, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of those issues being re sadly still very prominent and important today. So. Yeah, I don't know if I exactly answered your question there, but the, the, all that stuff's been around for people yeah. of a certain age. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've, we've tried to show our kids some of the movies from that we remembered growing up, like Gremlins and all that, and our kids were horrified <laughs> that the fact that that was children's entertainment at the time. <laughs> I love Gremlins. It's one of my oh, favorite yeah. all-time movies. <laughs> it, it ranks along with Die Hard as the best Christmas movie. Yeah, best Christmas. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, I know that you need to eat your orange yes. and various other things, so we'll wrap this up. Let's just wrap up by asking if people want to get more involved with this evolving entity that is the Centre for Contemporary Legend. How can they go about doing that? Well, they can, uh, if they just want to contact us, we're on Facebook and Twitter and our own website, um, easily found by just searching. Um, but we are um, looking, we might, if we have time, we might be looking to publish some conference proceedings. We're also publishing, uh, the, the Centre of Contemporary Legend team are currently co-editing a special journal issue of Revenant, which is an online academic journal, peer-reviewed, mm. um, and that we were hoping to get it finished in time for the conference, but it's, it's really, really nearly finished, so that should be out soon. Um, we've got various publications coming out. Myself and another colleague have got a book coming out on, uh, called The Legend, uh, Legacy of the X-Files, I get the mm. title right, with myself <laughs> and James Fennick have uh, edited that. Um, but yeah, and also um, myself and David uh, are um, happy to consider PhD applications as well. We can both potentially be PhD supervisors. So lots and lots of different ways. Um, yeah, we've got lots of other projects, but I, I won't list them all. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. You're Thank welcome. You.